Now let's begin. I am your host. My name is Chris Lockhart. Um, but I am not alone. I have a crew that mans the Starship Trek 1701. Um, I guess that doesn't really make a lot of sense. I, I'm the captain, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, first up, uh, no particular order, we got Ragnar. How's it going, Ragnar? Well, good. And hello, everyone. How are you? We're good. We're good. Um, <laughs> what a dumb, what a dumb question. <laughs> yeah, but there's listeners out there like me who just answered their radios. Yep. Yep. I promise. Absolutely, I do it. I do it. Same. That's that's why I got into podcasting because I was tired of talking to myself and nobody talking back. I had to talk to people. <laughs> um, <laughs> next up, we have Richard Sabo. How's it going, Richard? Not bad. Ready to get this show on the road. Excellent. And last but not least, we have Curtis Holloway. How's it going, Curtis? Band frickin' tastic. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so before we get into uh, the meat and potatoes, to quote uh, a great podcaster, Mr. Uh, Christian Nielsen, he likes to say that, the meat and potatoes of the podcast, um... I just uh, wanted to make an announcement. Um, so yesterday, I found out that uh, my stepdaughter is engaged. Oh wow! Yes, I. I um, yeah, I'm pretty happy because. Wait, wait, do we like this guy? Do you yes, like this guy? Yes, this guy. His okay, name. Woo. Is, his name is Justin, <laughs> and my oh, stepdaughter. Yeah, congrats. My, my stepdaughter's name is Katie. I've been in Katie's life since she was a year and a half-ish. Um, so, you know, I changed her poopy diapers. I, you know, watched her grow up. I, Because um, Katie, uh, my, my wife, raised uh, our stepchildren. Well, my, my stepson... <laughs> My stepson moved in with his dad for a few years, um, but for the most part, they, they, they grew up in our house, and, you know, so she's my daughter. I love her, and um, she started dating this guy, I want to say about three years ago. He's actually, uh, he uh, was a friend of my son's, and, and still is, I'm sure, um, but uh, eventually he... Uh, um, Grew uh, grew a liking to my stepdaughter, and and they started dating, and uh, they've been living together now. I want to say for a year and a half ish. Um, and I mean he's he's awesome. Like you know, like we loved him 
uh, you know, when he was just a friend of my son's, like he was, he was, you know, such a good friend to my son. And now that he's, uh, you know, been dating my daughter, we've been very happy. He's one of those guys that, uh, genuinely good kid, um, cleans my, cleans my gutters, you know, every fall and, and spring. So I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. Um, and yeah, so they, they got engaged yesterday, so I'm pretty psyched. Um, I don't know all the details. I think they're going to wait a couple of years. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy, you know, um, good and, for them. Yeah. And, and, oh, and yeah. they're, they're starting off good. Like they, you know, they've, uh, got their own place. They got, uh, you know, a couple of good, uh, dogs, uh, some cats, um, and living together is half the battle, honestly. Yeah. Like if you can live with somebody, there's a good chance that they could, you know, be just fine. Oh yeah, I'm you, I'm pretty excited. You know, like um, you know, there's there's, you know, you want the best for your daughter, and I really I really think that he is, you know, he's really wonderful, wonderful young man. Uh. Yeah, the only unfortunate thing is now I feel really old, you know. Like I, 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 I have a kid that's going to be getting married. Like that, like that's crazy. <laughs> Not gonna lie, that that question was burning in my mind as soon as you made that announcement. I was like, wait a minute, aren't we close to the same age? You can't <laughs> yeah. be that old because if you are, then I am. <laughs> well, you know, like I mean, and then I think about what happens when Junior gets married, like. Oh man, then we'll be really old. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, like uh, I I started out young, you know, like my uh, my wife and I started dating uh, when I was twenty three. Um, so I don't know, like you know, like I'm at that age now, like I'm looking forward to having grandchildren uh, because I'm young enough that I can do a lot of things with them. You know, like, sure, buddy. Yeah. Whereas, like, if 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 uh, if we had waited and had children when we were older, I think I'd be too old to appreciate the grandchildren. You know what I mean? Like, eh, I don't know. But uh, well, sure, you still want to be able to go like camping and fishing and do all that fun, you know, grandpa stuff. Yeah. Totally. And I mean, there's a uh, uh, a guy I went to school with, and um, he, they're gonna be having a baby, him and his, him and his wife, and it, I'm like, man, I couldn't imagine at 41 having a kid, you know, having a baby, like, oh man, like, but then, but then the trade-off is like, as I, you know, the ne the coming years, you know, I get to, you know, do tra do my traveling, get to get to have, you know, some fun and stuff. Whereas, you know, when I was in my, you know, mid to late 20s and 30s, you know, I didn't really do a lot of that because I was raising a family. So, kind of a trade-off, I guess. But, anyways, the, the, the long and short of it is pretty excited. Pretty excited. Pretty happy. So, anyway, just wanted to throw that out there. Um, Alright, for this episode of Trek 1701, we're talking about Star Trek Hidden Gems. Um, 
So this is uh, stuff that um, is Star Trek related that we enjoy. And, you know, in some cases, this might be our go-to. You know, this might be something that we would recommend people check out. So, uh, Curtis, why don't you kick it off? Uh, what is uh, one of your Star Trek hidden gems? Well, surprise, surprise. I know Ragnar's going to be shocked. I really enjoy... I really enjoy Star Trek Online. <laughs> oh. We're not even um, a minute into the actual recording. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Just oh, be I'll, I'll ask for it. I'll ask. <laughs> yeah. So the thing I like so much about it is it expounds upon almost all of the existing storylines. Um, you run around on, on the original uh, 1701 Enterprise for a couple missions. You... You mess around on uh, Voyager with um, Tuvok. I'm not going to spoil too much. Uh, just a heads up, af after this little intro, I'm going to spoil everything. So if you don't want to know stuff, this is not the episode for you. Um, I don't know if you want me to expand on one of the subjects that we talked about now, or if you sure. just want like a little yep. intro. Yep. Or... No, go ahead and kick her off. Okay. All right, so, well, it's funny you say her, because the first thing I'm going to talk about is Sela. Um, Sela was the empress of the Romulan Star Empire from 2403 to 2409, and obviously she's the daughter of Tasha Yar. Mm -hmm. um, so pretty much... Oh, crap, I lost my spot. Yeah, so uh, Tasha... Pardon me. Yes, Tasha traveled back in time. Yep. Um, alternate Tasha from a, a different different timeline. Traveled back in time with the Enterprise C, blah, blah, blah. We've all seen the episode. Mm -hmm. um, but Sela emerges later on in this series, and she does a lot of stuff in the universe after her appearance on The Next Generation. So <clears throat> I'll just give her a little brief history on, on one of the... Um, on a bit of her backstory, that is. Okay. So... Sela became pro-council in 2384 and represented the Star Empire in a conference on Romulus in the following year, where she managed to reach an agreement with Admiral Taurus of the Imperial Romulan State, and although she succeeded in peacefully bringing back the separatist states into the Star Empire, she eventually lost a power struggle against the Tal Shiar, which led to her exile in Romulus from, 20, from Romulus in 2387. Uh, four years later, her fleet reached Makar. Makar? Not sure how to pronounce it. A world rich in natural resources in the Beta Quadrant, and during her exile, she actually also made contact with the Herogen, um, who would lend her military support in exchange for hunting rights within the Star Empire. And in 2403, she returns to the Star Empire, overthrows now Praetor Taurus, and becomes the new Praetor. Five years after that, she reshapes the Empire into a monarchy and declares herself the Empress, which is pretty cool. And it's um, at that point is when you start interacting with her as the player character in Star Trek Online, because it takes place about 40 years after Voyager. Okay. So quite a bit of time has gone by by the time we're interacting. And in the meantime, this is what Sela's been up to. And when we find her... Um, all the missions are just like way, way too much to get into, but I'll uh, 
I will let you know she's currently incarcerated as of the current year in game um, 2410. Excuse me. She's still voiced by Denise Crosby all the way through everything that she does in the game, oh, nice. uh, which is one of my favorite parts of, of Star Trek Online is it's all wherever possible original voices. Um, my character was standing in a room earlier with a bunch of iconic names that I'll, I'll tell you about later on uh, when I talk about the um, fate of the Dominion after after Deep Space Nine. Um, yeah, there, there's just so much in the game. I'm going to stop there because I could go on for like literally 20 minutes. I have so much material on this, but I uh, think you could go on longer than 20 minutes. Probably. <laughs> but for your sake, Ragnar, I'm going to cut myself off um, and just well, say I'm, she's I'm not, she continues being a Romulan exactly in all the ways you would expect uh, throughout the game and your interactions with her as the captain of. Well, I play Federation, but you can play Klingon, you can play Romulan, you can you can play as a Geminar if you want. Excellent. So yeah, that's one of my hidden gems is um, all the wonderful continuations of storylines within Star Trek Online, and a couple more of those I'll get into later. Well, I, I as as you were talking, I was thinking we should do an episode in the new year, um, you know, like something like the beginner's guide to star trek on online where you could talk about this in more in depth um because to me this is interesting you know like i i tried star trek online when it first launched um but i just didn't my computer sucked i, I gave up because it was you know it was so lagging that's fair enough um but it i find this fascinating i really do i think we should do an episode where we talk about this because I would like to know. Well, I'm down. Like, any character that you want, you know, just about all of them, that they have a continuation of their story arc. You, you do a bunch of missions for Agent Daniels. You, um... It's, I, I don't even know where to start. There's so much. Excellent. Oh, yeah, no. Um, we'll, and anyone who has the patience to, to, to learn and play will definitely be... You get so much extra story out of it. Yep. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I, 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 we will definitely do an episode on this for sure. Um, all right, uh, Ragnar, uh, what is one of your Star Trek hidden gems? Well, I I chose a slightly different tack. Um, what I was going to talk about is all of the things that Star Trek had that we actually have in real life now. So, okay. for example, tablets. Mm -hmm. Right? Star Trek Next Gen, they had tablets, and, and in all the other Star Trek series after that, and we now have tablets. Um, Way better tablets, for that matter. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Having seen some of the prop ones, ours are definitely better. But um, So tablets was one. Hypo spray. We don't, like, you go to your doctor's office, they don't do that, but it is a technology that has been invented and does work, just hasn't been phased into production yet. Um, universal translators, I mean, we all can put apps on our phone that somebody can speak to in a different language, and it'll translate it. And I know this because I went to a restaurant recently that was owned by a Chinese man who did not speak English, and that's how we communicated, and it was super weird, but kind of cool. Awesome. Um, tricorders, I mean, really, our 
modern cell phones aren't a whole lot different from a tricorder. Can't quite do everything a tricorder can, but that day's coming, man. Well, you want to know what's interesting? We're we're moving into like the age of the Internet of Things, right? Where you're going to have like your dishwasher and your toilet and your sink and all of your appliances all connected together, probably run through an app on your phone that'll give you like health updates. Like this is how you're doing. You should probably eat less of this, get more of this based on like saliva samples from your silverware and you know, what's going on when you're in the bathroom. I can tell you this and it's, it's kind of like being scanned by a tricorder. It's just Mm -hmm. roundabout and takes a little longer. And then, of course, the, another one is uh, automatic doors. You saw that in Star Trek before it was a real thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I think I'm sure if we put our minds together, we could come up with a couple others. But just off the top of my head. Like um, touch screens. Well, touch screen yeah. controls. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Touch screens. Ha! Yeah, you're absolutely right. We all have. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, exocomps. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, also, uh, like in the episode "The Naked Now," um, Data said he was fully functional in multiple te- in multiple techniques of, of pleasure. Uh, we have sex robots now. <laughs> yeah, you're right. We do have sex robots now. That is a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they're as good as Data, but really can't say I've ex- yeah. <laughs> I can't say I've experienced one, but I know they are real. I don't know how many of them are sentient, though. But that I think is true. I've gotten married to them. People have married them, but I don't believe people they are have sentient. married pillows. So I mean, doesn't really mean much. That's true. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I, I know that for entirely wholesome and scholastic reasons. And not for anything <laughs> nefarious, by the way. <laughs> oh, so I just did a quick Google, and apparently, big screen television. Mm-hmm. They they show lots of giant view screens in the original Trek series and onwards, and of course, nobody back then had anything like that. Course, we all do now, for we, that matter. But, you know, um, intelligent personal assistance. Well, yeah, okay. And I mean, uh, computer Hand, like hands free, hands free phones. Yep, Com- computer discs yeah. like that was a like a hard hard discs that was like introduced in the original series. I mean, we don't use them now. <laughs> yeah, but... like isolated chips and stuff. Yep, we yeah. Uh, here's an obvious one that we missed: video calls. Mm-hmm. I was gonna <laughs> say that. <laughs> well, it's it, so obvious, but yes, well, Star Trek did that way before. It's like an everyday thing now, but yeah, it's funny because back then I, you know, we thought, or at least I thought, it would be so cool to to video call somebody. But now it's yeah, like I, I, I don't I, I don't like doing that. <laughs> you know, I don't even like calling people anymore. I'd rather text. Yeah, just shoot me a text. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a big fan of being on the phone. I spent a large part of my like working career like working in call centers and operation centers. Mm-hmm. And I don't like being on the phone, man. Yeah. Unless it's important and yeah. too bloated to describe, just text me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Agreed. For that, we have voice texting. Like, Curtis and I use 
but mostly yeah. Curtis because he talks more than I do. Not, not in a bad way, but he has more to say, and he'll send me like long voice messages. That's easier to talk than type. Well, as I age, my thumbs are fighting back against my urge to text constantly. So, yeah, it's easier. <laughs> um, well, and, and I and this is has to do a lot, I think, with Gene Roddenberry because, um, he was really plugged in. Like he would go to MIT, he would go to NASA. And he would ask them, like, what do you guys think is going to happen? Like, what what's the future? Like, what are we going to, you know, what should we be seeing on these shows? And they would say stuff like tricorders and communicators and, you know, the big screens and, yeah. and uh, computer disks and, and that, you know. And um, another, another one that we didn't really talk about was um, uh, voice-activated, like, Talking like you know, like whether yeah right Siri like you can or talk, you know, Alexa you can, excuse me yeah yeah you can talk yeah they had Michelle Barrett we yep. have Siri yep yeah <laughs> like yours better just saying <laughs> I still take Michelle but, Barrett's voice I'm that's gonna, interesting though yeah because, if they could make if they could make Alexa sound like that I'd probably use one yeah I'd be down I, I'm not gonna lie I'd be down but. I, I always thought that it was sci-fi influencing in a technological innovation. I didn't realize Roddenberry was down there like getting the goods and incorporating yep. that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I remember um, his biography. I can't. Uh, uh, what was it called? Star Trek Creator, I think. It was the really thick one. Like, there's there's a couple biographies that were done. One was by Yvonne Fern, I want to say. Um, she actually lived with them for like a year. Um, mm. but the one that I'm thinking of, uh, I can't remember the author now, but it, but in the middle of the book, they had like, um, I don't know, like 16 pages of pictures and you actually seen him at MIT and at NASA and stuff like, you know, like he, he took that pretty serious, which, it, which I admire. I, I, yeah, I really do because that's the thing. Like he was asking them their suggestions of what they thought would, we were, where we would be going and then future engineers and 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 the such saw that and was like, I want to create that for real. So, yeah, it was inspiration, inspiring inspiration. Like it was, it was awesome. But uh, excellent, Ragnar. That that's awesome. Um, all right, so I'll, I'll go next. Um, the first uh, one I wanted to bring up was what really brought us all together uh, as Star Trek fans uh, on this podcast, if we're talking about hidden gems, um, I think there's a lot of Star Trek fans out there who are not aware of Vulcan, Alberta. Um, now, Vulcan is a, ta- is a small town in the, the province of Alberta in Canada. Um, and every, you know... Well, not every year, you know, because of COVID and everything that it's been put on hold. Movie. Whoa. Oh, sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> that, that's okay. <laughs> but, uh, Party time. Oh, shut up. But, um, <laughs> okay, we're good. Volume's on. For quite a few years, they used to have a, an annual fair called Spock Days, and they would have, like, a little convention attached to this. Um, so you go to this town, even, even if you don't attend Spock Days, if you just go to this town... There's, you know, like you have a, a a place called the Trek Station, 
which has lots of Star Trek stuff. You can buy a lot of memorabilia and stuff there that you can check out. Um, you know, there's murals. The thrift store is called Quarks. Yep, the thrift store, which is awesome. I've bought a lot of Star Trek books there. Um, cool. You know, they got murals painted on, on buildings. Um, yeah, it, it you know. But they've they ha- got, like, signed stuff by, yep. by all the... Just about every major cast member who's been to Vulcan has, like, signed stuff and left it there, I'm sure. Yeah, well, and they also have, um, like, a Walk of Fame, um, so, you know, a sidewalk in their town where the Star Trek stars that have come there have, you know, signed the sidewalk and put their handprints in and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Leonard Nimoy has a, a statue, you know, bust of his of his head there, um, you know, a monument. that And he, a handprint. And a handprint, yeah. And he was actually there, and his son was there. Um, well, isn't Nimoy the reason that like Vulcan was officially designated by like CBS or Paramount or whoever as like the official Star Trek capital of of Canada, whatever? I think yeah. so. I th- I think in 2010, like, like when when he came to Vulcan, that's that that happened. Then I believe. I'm pretty sure he pushed for it too. Oh yeah, I'm fairly certain. And I'm and they were pushing for back in 2009 to get uh, the J.J. Abrams the first Star Trek movie for the premiere to be at Vulcan, but uh, they wouldn't go for Paramount wouldn't go for it. So Nimoy actually I uh, I believe uh, paid out of his own pocket to have people bust the Calgary to go watch the movie uh, on the night of the premiere. So. Yeah, like I mean, Leonard Nimoy's been there. Like so many stars have been there. It, it's, it, it's like I said. You know, they 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 have Spock days. They still have Spock days, which is their annual fair. But then, what was it? Two thousand sixteen? No, two thousand fifteen. They started Vulcan, which was a separate convention on a That's different right. weekend. Um, because the thing with Spock days, because it's like the town's annual fair. You know, they got a ball tournament going on. They had so much going on, it was hard to have a convention the same weekend because uh, limited hotel space and, you know, like there were so many people, you know, in town for the fair to Just begin with. that weren't... Like quadrupled the yeah. town's population for a weekend. Yeah. yeah. So they decided to move it um, to a different weekend and call it Vulcan, and they actually made it into a, its own convention. And, and, and um, you know, they brought they brought a lot of good celebrities there over the years. Um, and that's actually where uh, I met Curtis and Richard uh, for the first time. Uh, was it? Well, it was actually at Spock Days because uh, it was. Yeah, it was in the in the beer gardens. We yep. were smoking pipes. Yeah, at the um, man at the was I drunk. Woo. Oh yeah, <laughs> me too. And uh, yeah, I, re- I remember. Yeah, it was the it was the uh, the pipe smoke. That drew me to you guys because I, you know, I used to smoke a pipe and we got talking and stuff. And because it was the ball tournament beer gardens, I just assumed you guys were ball players. So I was, you know, oh, mm-hmm. you know, you guys playing ball? Oh no, we're here for the the Star Trek thing. And I'm like, what? Me too. And, and thus a friendship was born. Um, and I know I've, I've met Ragnar uh, at uh, Vulcan as well as well as Calgary. I know I know I've been to uh, seen uh, Ragnar yeah. at Calgary. Um, but it, you know, it was this whole COVID thing where, where we got together as a, as a podcast. But like I said, if I hadn't met Richard 
and Curtis at uh, Vulcan, you know, this podcast, you know, Trek 1701 wouldn't be what it is today. So, um, I think, you know, if you're, if you're a Star Trek fan and you happen to be like in Southern Alberta, like, you know, if you, if you're going by Calgary or even the mountains, uh, or even Northern Alberta. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're in Edmonton, it's a, it's a bit of a trek, but you know, so, you know, sorry for the pun, but, um, <laughs> always, but, always intend your puns, Chris. Don't be ashamed. Yeah. You're dead. But but Vulcan is only an hour south of Calgary, so yeah, it's closer to Calgary. You know, if you're in Calgary, I highly recommend doing the trip, especially in the summertime. Like, it's a beautiful little town. Like, I, I haven't been in there in the winter, um, but I imagine it's like any other Alberta town in winter. It's snow-covered and, and kind of dreary a little bit. Uh, but in the summer, you know, when when the when it's green and and the trees are blooming, it, it's it's beautiful there. It's a nice it's a nice little town. It's, it's very well manicured town. Yes. Yeah, especially yeah. if you're a Star Trek fan. Uh, and I and, and I and I, oh sorry, go ahead, Greg. Well, I was just gonna say, and if you're driving, and you're coming from Calgary, you get to go through Nanton, which has the world famous Nanton candy store. Mm-hmm. The ice cream shop almost yes, worth sir. the drive alone just to go there. <laughs> it is, and the candy store has an antique shop in the back too. Yeah, like yeah, cool stuff in it. Ice cream, candy, and antiques. Like, man, it was made for me. Unlike yeah. a western themed street too, it's so cool. Yeah, and it's like a town that's like you can see the whole town from the middle. You know. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and, I, and highway. And I two, think, uh, highway two. can also have the. I think they have a World War II airplane museum there too. Yes, yes, they do. And Nanton, so, it, yeah. it's only like a half hour from Vulcan, right? Yeah, give or take, yeah, something like that. Not even. Well, it depends how fast you're driving. Didn't yeah. take us half an hour. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like the halfway point, I think. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, and then yeah, and then the town of Vulcan has a free campground it only has six spots but it's there and it's free and that's where i've stayed every time i've done vulcan and then uh yeah so i definitely you know it's not a big show but i definitely recommend it and if they run one this year i'll be there yep but while well, we're still on it i just want to ask real quick is anyone going to bring up trek cetera well, they're gone now, eh? Yeah. I know, but I feel like yeah. it, it would be an honorable mention. Like, oh, that yeah. place was incredible. Yep. It's it's one of my biggest regrets of the before times. I mm-hmm. never got to see it when they moved to Drumheller. I yeah, got, me, I did me get either. to go through it in, in Vulcan. Yep, me too. And it was awesome. They had some cool, cool shit in there and great stories. But I know when they moved to Drumheller, they had an even bigger location with even more stuff before they went under they, they did but i enjoyed the vulcan experience it was a lot more personal oh yeah and you, we got to hold the prop phaser that data uses at the end of nemesis to yeah and it was neat cut to onions some, because goddamn it <laughs> well it was neat to see some of the props up close a lot of them were really shitty <laughs> like um the gold press latinum blocks. They're just mm, chunks mm-hmm. of two by four that are spray painted. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like they're really shitty. 
and some of the the phasers and tricorders are barely better. Um, but it, you know, on screen they look awesome. But it was really neat to see the actual prop and be like, "Oh, somebody made that in five minutes!" Oh, wow. Yeah. But I just figured if we're gonna mention Vulcan, like that was really a big part of yeah. what I looked forward to every year going down. Um, there was the annual, you know, stop and chat with Mike, who had the most fantastic mustache. And he yep. was the, the curator of the Trek Cetera Museum. He, he looked like a, he really stepped out of a Western. Character. Straight out oh, of a Western. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, really I, too I, bad. I saw him many times in many different cities and many different settings, and he always looked like that. That makes me feel good on the inside. Glad and to, to people who've never met him, he sort of looks like Val Kilmer yes. in a mid '90s western. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he does. Sure. Yep. Yeah, I can, I can agree with that. Yeah, yeah, he was quite a character and very friendly, very knowledgeable, very gracious, but always dressed like a, you know, stepped right out of the set of some kind of western. Yep. Um. And, and yeah, like the reason why they called it Trek Cetra is it wasn't just Star Trek. They had uh, like s- stuff from Harry Potter there. Um, they had uh, yeah. one of the uh, yeah they had, one of they had a Superman cake, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. one one of Christopher Superman, Superman two, I think. Nope, three. Yeah, yeah. the entire was it three? Yeah, because because yeah. th- three yeah, was, it was three because three. three was filmed was in filmed High in River. Calgary. Yeah, yeah, because I, I believe. I could be mistaken here, but I believe Michael and Devin, who ran the place, I believe they worked in the film industry at one point, yep. or possibly yeah. still do. Mike that, actually had pictures that he wasn't supposed to have. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not 100% sure what he did on set, but there were a lot of pictures well, of him with all sorts of different famous people. The the, the story behind that, if if I remember correctly, because I, 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 I talked to him about this, I actually bought... Uh, copies of them because he, he had them framed um i think his dad or something worked on superman 3 so he brought him to set oh. one day and he act, like cool. he, he actually took pictures and anyway the the film was he he never got it developed um and the film like sat in his parents attic or something for years and then one like just a few years prior to trek cetera um he found this film in his parents' house and decided to get it developed. And yeah, it was like pictures of Christopher Reeve, you know, doing you know doing the Superman flying and stuff. Um, so he sold them at, at, at the at the museum. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, it, it was cool. It, it was awesome. And I mean, as a kid, I loved that movie. I you know it 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 scared me at the end, and so it was cool to see that. It really was. Um. And they also uh, I, I'm... go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say. Well, I um... gonna... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll go. Yeah, you go. Um, uh, I was gonna say um, they filmed Brokeback Mountain um, in that area as well, and they actually because yeah. I've, I've never seen the movie, but in the movie apparently like there was a coffee shop that they would go to and have coffee. And that table and that, um, like the ashtray they used, were in that museum. And he oh. said he said there was a group. I, they either came from Norway or 
Sweden, maybe? I can't remember. But they f- they came there, because they were fans of the movie, and they paid to sit at that table and smoke cigarettes and drink coffee, like they did in the movie. <laughs> so That's awesome. Yeah, you know, so, it, it, you know, like like I said, I never, I never watched it, but it was cool. It, you know, like, that was a cool story. Um and and yeah, they had other props as well from other franchises. But go ahead, Ragnar. But I was just gonna say I got I got two stories that kind of tie into that one. Okay. So the the first the first story is lots of films have and TV shows have been shot in and around that part of Southern Alberta, including mm-hmm. most recently the new Ghostbusters film was shot in Fort McLeod, which is not far away at all. Yep. Um. And the TV series Fargo was all shot in and around that area, too. Oh, I didn't know that. And after, when they shoot these shows, they have prop buyers and set designers that come in, and they they buy all sorts of stuff. They use it in the films, and then they just auction it off at the end of the show. Um, they, you know, previously studios used to have warehouses that they would keep all that stuff in case they wanted to reuse it. Mm-hmm. And that's why sometimes you would see the same set or the same prop in a totally different film or TV show. But nowadays they just buy everything and, and then they sell it off at the end. And so my friends purchased a couch that was used in season two, no, pardon me, season three of Fargo, and then decided they didn't want to keep it. And they gave it to me and I gave it to my parents. So my because my parents are obsessed with the TV show Fargo. And so they awesome. actually have a screen-used couch in their living room that they sit on when they watch Fargo. <laughs> That's really cool. But um, the other thing I was, I was going to say is one of the coolest things for me that they had at Trexetra was that they had purchased some of the actual prop communicator badges and they had got permission from CBS to copy them and get molds made and they purchased the exact same paint from CBS to paint them and I got one of those I got the one that they used in DS9 and Voyager they also had the one from Next Gen and it is an exact replica every way of the screen used ones with one minor exception. And that one minor exception is that the screen used ones had a piece of Velcro and that's how they attached it to the actor's uniform. And the ones they sell at the museum have a magnet instead of Velcro. But in every other way, it is an exact coffee made from the actual prop mold and painted in the actual colors. And That's when awesome. you look at it really close, it doesn't actually look all that great. It looks kind of cheap and hokey, but from 10 feet away, it looks amazing. And so I purchased that there, and that is one of the coolest things that I have in my Star Trek collection. Awesome. Fantastic. Um, all right. Uh, Richard, uh, what is one of your Star Trek hidden gems? So, speaking of Star Trek collections, I've got a half-decent collection. It's not amazing by any means, but one of my favorite pieces is something I got a long time ago. I don't remember where. I probably bought it online somewhere. 
and it is a book with an actual stand. I'll uh, I'll just post a pic for you guys just so you can see it, or I will in a few minutes. Anyways, it's called Federation: The First 150 Years by David A. Goodman, and it's just packed full of like graphics and information and all kinds of cool things. Um, oh, maybe I got it from Truck Center Museum. Perhaps I have an old ticket stub from the Truck Center Museum I just found in the back of the book. Nice, sweet. But uh, yeah, it has all kinds of stuff in here. Um, Romulan secret communiques and Vulcan things, Star Trek Enterprise stuff, all kinds of stuff. And it actually has a voice line type thing. If y'all want to listen to it, I'll play it. It takes about a minute, but it's uh, Admiral Hikaru Sulu who does the actual voice line. Sure. Okay. Give me yeah, man. Play it. Set this up here. Tell me if it's too loud or something like that. Hello, this is Admiral Hikaru Sulu, Commander-in-Chief of Starfleet Command, welcoming you to Memory Alpha. I am proud to present this history of the Federation commissioned by the Council of the United Federation of Planets on the 150th anniversary of its incorporation. The documents presented in this history, many presented to the public for the first time, were drawn from the Federation archives here on Memory Alpha. Established in the Earth year 2161, the United Federation of Planets is an intergalactic democracy comprised of dozens of worlds and species. Its founding members, the planets Earth, Proxima Centauri, Andoria, Teller, and Vulcan, decided to combine their resources to provide for a common defense and promote their general welfare in the wake of Earth's war with the Romulan Star Empire. Hmm. And that's it. That's cool. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of my, my favorite things. I'm sure Curtis has seen it, but it's just there. You know, it collects dust. It's just really nice. That's wicked, man. Yeah. Yeah. Lo- I love George Takai's voice. My, one of my favorite one of my favorite George Takai bits was in um, the Big Bang Theory. There's the there's an episode where the the irritating Jewish guy. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a super huge fan of the show. I've just seen it a, a yep. bits and pieces. He, he's having a um, a sex fantasy with Katie Starbuck Sackoff. from Battlestar Gal- yep. Katie Sackhoff. Yeah, and then George Takai shows up. And I don't quite remember the whole thing, but I remember just about pissing myself laughing. It was so funny. Yep. I I think it was he was questioning if he was straight or gay. And, and, you know, all of a sudden, instead of being in bed with with Katie Sackhoff in her Battlestar Galactica flight suit, then suddenly he's in bed with George Takai. Yeah. (laughs) Or, Or something like that. But it was really funny. I just want to give a little correction. It's George Takai to rhyme with gay as per himself. Oh, all right. <laughs> um, yeah. and and George Takei uh, was wearing his uh, outfit from Star Trek Three when when they stole the Enterprise in that episode of Big Bang. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. No, that's that's awesome, Richard. Um, Curtis, do you have another uh, Star Trek hidden gem? Do I ever? <laughs> just for Ragnar. Um, so we're going to talk about Tuvok this time and, uh, some of the things that he gets up to after 
The events of Voyager, which of course can only take place in Star Trek Online. It's free to play. Doesn't cost anything. Just saying. Um, <laughs> let me just find my page here. Um, so obviously he's best known for serving as Chief Tactical Officer on Voyager as Lieutenant Commander. Um, but in two thousand, pardon me, in twenty four oh one, Tuvok retired from Starfleet and attempted to convince the Federation Council to reconsider its position on the war between the Klingons and the Gorn. In light of new evidence supporting the presence of Undine infiltrators in the Alpha Quadrant. Now, the Undine is species um, 8472, uh, but they've been given a name by not the Borg. Uh, they're shapeshiftery type of people, and when you play Star Trek Online, you're going to spend a lot of time getting messed with by them and uh, the avatars that they have adopted and taken over to basically try and do the same thing that the Dominion tried to do. Uh, but then in 2409, anyway, Tuvok returns to Starfleet and has since been promoted to Rear Admiral, um, and he now commands Voyager. He demanded Voyager back, and that's his ship now. So you get to go fly around doing a bunch of missions with Tuvok and Voyager, and because he's a Vulcan, he's like not that much advanced in age from Voyager. Um, so it's pretty cool. And of course, Tim Russ does all the lines. Um, and fun fact, he was that Tuvok character was actually added as part of the four year anniversary event um, for Star Trek online four years after it launched. So it was kind of oh. like a big deal. Cool. Uh, there's 14 missions that you get to run with Tuvok, but they're, they're kind of scattered all over the place um, such that I can't, to try and pontificate would just take too freaking long. Um, but I'll tell you about the first one that you do. Um, he calls you over and is like, hey, man, we got this problem. And you're like, what's up? And he's like, we got to go to fluidic space, yo. He says it a little more eloquently than that. We got to go to fluidic <laughs> space, yo. And I'm like, okay. So Voyager opens this artificial singularity or whatever. Then we go to fluidic space. And there's a freaking Borg Unimatrix. And they're trying to, like, assimilate the Undine and fluidic space, and it's it's bad news bears, and you got to do something about it. So that's one of the fun fun missions you get to do with Tuvok. Um, another one is you get to run around inside of his mind with him, because he'll mind meld with you to try and kick out one of these Undine infiltrators that's like telepathically gotten into his head. It's super fun. Hmm. Interesting. Sounds sounds cool. Um, so yeah, he retires and he comes back, and now he's a rear admiral. Is the, the long and short of it. Awesome. Love Tuvok. He was uh, he was great. Um, Ragnar, do you have another Star Trek gem for us? Uh, I think I might have gone through most of them. Okay, um, no, no, that that's fine. If you if you don't, that that's that. That's well, cool. I, I was just gonna. Just do a little a little shout out, going back a little bit to one of the things we were talking about there. There, um, specifically what Richard brought up, there are so many cool Star Trek books if you're really into it. Like, mm -hmm. not I'm not talking about the novel series. I'm talking about all the different technical manuals. Like, you can get a technical manual of the Enterprise. 
mm-hmm. where it shows you like schematics and, and technical breakdowns. And my mom has a book about all the different costumes and uniforms in Star Trek. And there's, there's chronology books and timeline books. And there's a huge world of printed resources like that. Now, some of that is because, of course, these shows came out pre-internet. Yep. Nowadays, all that would be online. Yep. But every now and then when you're at a thrift store, you come across one, and they're pretty cool. You can get lost in them for a while. Oh, yeah. And one time, when I was a young fella, I was working at the Antique Mall in Edmonton, and there was one of those Star Trek books, and it was the, the blueprint design for the Enterprise D and I was flipping through it. It was a slow day at work, and I was just flipping through it. And out fell a signed autograph from John DeLancey, who plays Q. No way. Yeah. And so, needless to say, I, I bought the book for whatever it was, $10, and I still have that autograph hanging up on my wall. That's sick. So I have his autograph, although I have not personally met him. But... Uh, and that, that's yeah. the Next Generation Technical Manual? Yeah, although the, the the picture that fell out is actually, it must have been a promo at a Blockbuster store, because it says Blockbuster Video on the bottom. Oh, wow. And it's actually celebrating his first appearance on Deep Space Nine. So it's hanging huh. up with my Deep Space Nine collection. Nice. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah, so that was, a, that was a cool find, so... But, uh, but, yeah, just a, a shout-out in general for all the wicked printed material that is available uh, about Next Gen and DS9 if a person is interested in seeking it out. Yep. No, uh, when I go to conventions and, you know, you get those tables where they're selling the books and stuff, I always look for those because I love them. Um, and, yeah, that Next Generation technical manual that you were, you were referring to uh, was written by Rick Sternbach and Michael Okuda. And yes. so years ago, I, I bought that. I bought it and I, and it's, I kept it in my collection. So in 2013, Rick Sternbach, it was the first, uh, uh, Spock days I'd ever went to. And it was Robert Picardo, uh, Ethan Phillips and Rick Sternbach. And I actually got Rick Sternbach to sign my technical manual. Um, and it was awesome. It was so cool to see him. Um, and actually, he was my first celebrity guest on Trek 1701. Like back, you know. And they oh, were, yeah, very the, cool, man. Yeah, the, the original iteration of, of Trek 1701. Yeah, he I called him up. Super cool dude. Um, super chill. I had a couple beers with him at the Legion there. And, and, and yeah, really nice guy. Um, so, yeah. Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to jump on the book discussion, um, with a couple of recommendations. So back in 2016, that would, that was the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, the Star Trek book series. Um, I want to say it's, it's still pocket books. I'm, or it was pocket books that did this. I think they did a three part novel series called Star Trek Prey, which was a celebration of the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. Um, So they did three books. They were called Hell's Heart, The Jackal's Trick, and The Hall of Heroes. And they were all written by one author named John Jackson Miller. 
And basically what John Jackson Miller did is he, the story begins with the original uh, 1701A Enterprise and ends with um, the Enterprise E, um, like in current times, um, which in the books is still under command of Captain Picard. Um, Worf is his first officer. Geordi's still chief engineer. But they have other characters that are are in the series. Um, so because it's the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, this three-book series incorporates characters from, like I said, like it starts out with Captain Kirk and, and Spock. Um, there's characters from uh, Deep Space Nine, like um, uh, Esri Dax, because she's a captain now. She's in, in this. Um, uh, Admiral Riker's in this, uh, I think like Tuvok's in it. Um, and like I said, Captain Picard, cause he's still in command of the Enterprise. Worf's his first officer. It's, you know, um, and it, it incorporates elements from every Star Trek series. Uh, I think they even like had Archer part of, you know, like the original Enterprise, uh, play a part in this. Um, so this is all pre-Discovery, because this was 2016 when this came out, and Discovery was 2017. And it was fun. It was fantastic. Like, um, like some of the some of the people that were featured in this was uh, Kalos, like the, the Emperor, like the clone um, that we saw in The Next Generation. And we heard about him on the uh. Space Nine. Yeah, he, he actually plays a big part in this with Worf. Um, we, we uh, get Ardra, like that uh, chick from Season 4 of TNG. She comes back. Um, and also uh, uh, Krug, uh, Christopher Lloyd's character from Star Trek 3. We learn a lot about him in, the, in this book series. Um, he was a great Klingon. He was. But in in that really movie, was. in that movie, if you'll notice, they never—I don't think they ever call him Captain. It's always Lord, right? Mm. So I it, think you're right. It, it, but it, they but they explain that like um, and, and spoilers for this for this book series. Um, Krug was actually a high-ranking member of the Klingon Empire. Like he like his family controlled a lot of the Empire. Uh, he was kind of considered like a rebel and an outcast and stuff, but, you know, a lot of people feared him. So Krug, her, his spies in the Federation heard about the secret project that they were develop that the Federation was developing that uh, could be used as a weapon, which, which we know is the Genesis device, right? And he went to the High Council and was like, you know, the Federation's building something they're, they're being secretive about it. It can destroy, you know, like it could be the end of the Empire. We need to, you know, go to war. And the High Council thought he was a madman and he was crazy and, and they, they shunned him, right? So he decides, because he actually controls a lot of the Klingon, like a, like the fleet, like he has a lot of ships. Um, he decides to take his, his take a, a sole bird of prey out. He was going to command it. And he, he and he crewed it with his best guys, and he went into the into Federation space to find out what they were doing, which then goes into Star Trek Three. 
So that's why they called him Lord, because he wasn't actually a captain. He was actually like a, like a Lord, like he was a high-ranking Klingon. Um, so I don't want to spoil it too much, but uh, we find out, um, you know, this, this backstory of him, and we find out what happened after. Like, did he actually die? Maybe he didn't. Um, and, and we know Klingons live a long life, so he could theoretically, <laughs> if he hadn't died on the Genesis planet, he might still be alive in Picard's time. Um, it was, it was fantastic. Like when they released this book series, they released, I think the first volume came out in like October, 2016. The second one was like November and the third one was December. So basically like for three months, you got to read these books one one at a time, and it was it was awesome. Like um, John Jackson Miller, I think is is a great Star Trek writer. Like I actually read one of his books prior to this, um, which was fantastic. Um, unfortunately, like now he's writing Star Trek Discovery novels, so it's like eh, I don't want to you know I don't want I don't want to really read those because I don't like Star Trek Discovery. But these ones are awesome. I highly recommend them, and and the one he did before. So I've read four of his Star Trek books, and they're all like five out of fives. They're they're fantastic. Um, so there's that that I wanted to talk about, and also, um, again with the fiftieth anniversary, there there was a couple of books that came out. I didn't actually read the book version. I listened to the audio books. And that is the 50-year mission, the complete, uncensored, unauthorized oral history of Star Trek. Um, so this is actually two different books. Uh, so it's two different audiobooks. And I think each one is like over 30 hours long to listen to. There's a lot of information here. Um, so the first book is called The First 25 Years, and the second book is called The Next 25 Years. So the first book is basically, covers the creation of the original series, it covers Roddenberry, it covers the 70s, the, the convention, the early conventions, and the original movie series. Um, so they interview, like, basically what they do is they've interviewed people, but they've also taken quotes from other interviews, um, so, you know, you got Shatner, you got DeForest Kelly, you got Roddenberry himself commenting in this book, and they have different, uh, narrators for different people. Um, one of them sounds so much like, uh, Garrett Wan from Star Trek Voyager. I actually thought it was Garrett Wan, but it, I guess it's not, mm. unless he's using a different name. I don't know, but it sounds exactly like Garrett Wan. Um... And then the second book is the next 25 years. So it covers TNG, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise. And I think they talk about the, you know, the, the first few J.J. Abrams movies, like the first two. Um, and the forward is done by Seth MacFarlane. Um, and yeah, like I said, each, each book is over 30 hours in audio. I think one is 34 and I want to say the other one is like 31, something like that. But it's so worth it. These are awesome audiobooks. Um, and you learn so much about Star Trek. And and they don't pull any punches. They, uh, you know, they don't paint everyone in the best light uh, in these books. But, I mean, 
it's true. It, it's true to who who everyone was and, and the motivations of, of people. Um, so it's written by Edward Gross and Mark A. Altman. Um, these guys wrote a lot of the as like Ragnar, you're mentioning um, like a lot of these <clears throat> uh, books, you know, behind the scenes stuff. They used to write a lot of the unauthorized ones, like the ones that weren't sanctioned by, oh. by CBS or, or Paramount. Um, but they are very knowledgeable. Like I used to, like uh, I I got one for Christmas one year. I think it was written by Edward Gross. Like he, like he, this guy knows a lot about Star Trek. Um, and same with Mark A. Altman. So these guys used to write a lot of these books back in the the eighties and nineties. Um. So these guys really know what they're what they're doing, and I the the audiobooks are good. I love I like the the narrators, the people they have uh, talking are really good, and uh, yeah, it, it's worth the the sixty plus hours. Like I I you know listen to these at work when I'm doing my you know uh, tasks that don't require me to do a lot of thinking, uh, so I can do a lot of thinking by listening to the books. Um, and yeah, they're, they're awesome. I can't, I can't recommend them enough. Um, all right. Uh, Richard, do you have another Star Trek hidden gem? Yeah, actually I have two, one, one quick and dirty one and one that I really, really enjoy. So the first one is also part of my collection and the third one. This one is a collector series of TOS Star Trek Pez dispensers. <laughs> I've got a bit of a thing for collecting Pez dispensers. That is so not something I was guessing. All right. Yeah, it's all right. soft brand. Soft brand. Oh, um, it has the entire main crew and um, one Pez that's actually the ship itself. And it's actually super cool. I'll link you a picture shortly. Uh, I have it in the original packaging. I don't think it's ever been opened, and it's one of my one of my favorite things. It's, just, it's even got like a limited edition number from Pez, which is pretty cool. But that's not the uh, pièce de résistance. Um, a long time ago, Monopoly and Star Trek made multiple um, collaborations for. Monopoly games, and I think I have all of them. I might be missing one. I don't even really like Monopoly a lot, but I really like um, strange and unique Monopolies. And this particular one is actually the Klingon Monopoly. It's bilingual, Klingon in English. The pieces are Batleth, the Bird of Prey, Captain's Chair, Doc Tog, Disruptor, and a High Court Gavel. And it's got, like, all the Monopoly things you'd think, just all in Klingon. The center of the board is a Klingon view screen, and they have um, custom outposts and capitals to replace houses and hotels. And it's, it's still in the original packaging. It still has the plastic wrap on it. And I just had to have it. And I think it's one of my, also one of my favorite pieces of my collection. Nice. That sounds awesome. It does. Except there's no Vorchok class uh, cruiser. <laughs> well, throw it in the trash. 
That's true. <laughs> it is my favorite. It is my favorite Klingon ship. <clears throat> let the let the Targs play with it. <laughs> well, Junior's sleeping. He'll have to wait. The telling you said that in 15 years. <laughs> I'll remember. You know I'll remember. <laughs> it's similar to having a pet, like having a small child. So, like, it makes sense. Excellent. All right. Well, um, let's do a quick lightning round. If you guys have anything else you want to throw out there, let, let, let's do this. Um, Curtis, do you have anything for the lightning round? Um, you know what? I don't think I can make it fast, so I'm going to pass on that. Well, even if it's not fast, you, you go go ahead. I, I I got nothing. My brain is cooked right now. I, <laughs> I'll wait for another time. All right, not a problem. Ragnar, do you have anything for, for the lightning round? Yeah. Um, a while back, like when I was just starting out as Ragnar the Trader, somewhere around 2015... I did a show in Edmonton, and I, for the life of me, can't remember the name of it. It was a small sci-fi con. They haven't had one in a few years, and it was um, at the Ramada on Kingsway. Uh, I wish I could remember the name. I feel bad that I can't. It was it was like a two or three word name. Okay. Um, and it was it was very small, but it was really cool. And one year. One of the guests they had was the guy who wrote The Trouble with Tribbles, the original episode. David um, Gerald? David David Gerald, thank you. Yep. And so I have an autographed copy of the script from The Trouble with Tribbles. God, and, that's cool. Yeah, and I mean, I, at the time, I, I really didn't have anything to say to him. I wish I could go back in time, because now... The first thing I would ask him is, what did you think of the DS9 episode where they revisited it? But at the time, I was just like, oh, cool. Can I get an autograph? Thanks. And then I didn't know what else to say, so I just walked away. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought of something for my lightning round. Sweet. Okay. Well, that was my story, and it's super cool. And uh, that's a, a neat collectible that I'm very happy to have. Excellent. Um. Just before you go, Curtis, I just wanted to throw out there. Um, in the 50-year history that I was talking about, it's funny you mentioned David Gerald because David Gerald actually, uh, if you if you believe believe you know his his in interviews with this in this book, um, he wrote the Next Generation Bible. So the Next Generation, even though Gene Roddenberry is credited as creator. David Gerald actually did a lot of the legwork. So cool, you know. Unfortunately, unfortunately, the, that that those audiobooks don't paint Roddenberry in a nice light. But I think it's true, you know. But anyway, Curtis, you go ahead. In Star Trek Online, you can give your character <laughs> equipment. <laughs> you can wear, you know, uh, uniforms and carry weapons and have personal shields and carry hyperspace and all this stuff. But one of the accessories you can get for yourself is a treble, and it makes the treble noise randomly every so often. Oh, that's, that's awesome. That's pretty cool. Your, your treble story reminded me, so there's my lightning round. All right. <laughs> 
Um, all right, for my lightning round, um, any Star Trek book or comic book by Peter David. Peter David is one of my favorite comic book writers. He wrote The Incredible Hulk for 12 years. He also wrote a lot of Star Trek novels and a lot of Star Trek comic books. Um, he's a Star Trek fan. He wrote um, just the, the Babylon 5 trilogy I just read. Um, the, the Centauri trilogy it was written by Peter David. Uh, he's amazing. Great author. Agreed. Nice guy, too. Like I met him at the Calgary Comic Con in 2012. And yeah, I like he, he's one of my childhood idols. Like meeting him was like to me like almost like meeting Patrick Stewart. You know, I was like, oh my, you know, like I, I was like a bumbling idiot when I met him. But you know, and and like my son and I went to the uh, we were staying at the Marriott downtown Calgary. I think it's Marriott, and um, we were out for supper. And Peter David was like two two tables away from me. Like I didn't notice him until oh, he got he, he got up to leave, and I'm like, ah, I totally could have went over there and talked to him. But yeah, anyway, um, so that that's one of them. And also, and I've mentioned this many times before, Star Trek continues on YouTube. It's a it's a it's a fan made um, Star Trek series with real actors. Um, and, and it continues the five-year mission, uh, for, of Captain Kirk it, with, um, uh, Vic Mignola as, as Captain Kirk and, you know, they recap, of course, recast all the, uh, the major characters. Um, but they also have a lot of guest stars like, uh, Marina Sirtis, uh, is the voice of the computer, um, in this oh, cool. series, so which it is really cool, you know, because she played, you know, Majel played her mom in, in TNG, yeah, um, yeah, and she was the computer voice, so it's awesome to have Marina Sirtis there. And I know, like Jamie Bambard did an episode; he was uh, Apollo from uh, Star uh, Battlestar Galactica, the new the new Battlestar Galactica. Um, yeah, John Delancey did an episode, not as Q, as a different character. Um, and yeah, uh, they had the, and also the, the, the series finale was amazing. They had, um, the character from the Enterprise incident, the Romulan commander, the female Romulan commander in the, in that two-parter. And it was actually the daughter of that actress playing that character. And she looks so much like her mom. It's, it's crazy. Um, and, and they actually, in that, I think it was that episode where they actually separated the saucer section from the Enterprise. So the original Enterprise could do that, but they never did it. And, uh, on Star Trek Continues, you actually see it, which was really cool. Um, so yeah, that's what I have for my lightning round. Uh, Richard, do you have anything for the, for the lightning round? I don't think I have anything cool. Just, um, you know, my collection, just a bunch of different stuff. If anybody wants to get into collecting, there's a lot of good resources online. Etsy has a lot of cool things. I have um, a, repl a replica Mechleth that I got from Etsy yeah. that's super cool. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's some things. If you like collecting, just find stuff you like, you know. That's all I got to say about that. 
All right. Um, well, before we close out this episode, I got a quick question for you guys. Like, we're talking about Star Trek Hidden Gems. What is some of your go-to episodes? Like, when, you, when, when you're just, whatever, sitting at home, you're like, I want to watch a Star Trek episode. What, it doesn't matter what series it's from. What are some of your go-to episodes that are, you would consider a gem? Uh, Curtis, um, I'm throwing the question to you. What, what's uh, some of your favorite Star Trek episodes that are your go-to? Damn it. I was hoping not to go first. Oh, I, I, I can go first if you uh, want. I'll go. I'll go. Okay. Yeah. If somebody's got something, yeah, then go. Okay, Ragnar, you go. Yeah, um, I believe it is called Blood Oath, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I believe it is nice. season three. Season two. Where Jadzia has to fulfill one of Curzon's oaths with the Klingons to hunt down um, the albino. Yep. Fuck, that's a great episode. And all the time, I will... Especially when it's on Netflix, I will find just that episode and watch it, and it is so great. Yeah, that that's season two. Agree. Season two, okay. Um, amazing. I episode. knew it was earlier. <clears throat> yeah. Um. All right, I'll go next. Um, for the original series, Doomsday Machine, especially. Nice. Um, watching the like w- when they redid the special effects and stuff, it's so awesome. So much. So, so cool. Um, City on the Edge of Forever. The, the episode written by Harlan Ellison, my, one of my favorite writers of all time. Um, also, I think City on the Edge of Forever... City, City on the Edge of Forever, to be honest with you, I think is my favorite Star Trek episode ever. I, I love it. Hmm. Um, and it could be because Harlan Ellison is one of my favorite writers. But uh, Best of Both Worlds... Part one and two. Yeah, yeah. I knew I knew you were going to say that just from our last podcast. Oh yeah, yep, yep, yeah. We had a discussion. Um, and as far as Deep Space Nine, because Deep Space Nine, you know, as people listening to this podcast know, is my favorite Star Trek series, and I think it's all of ours on here. Uh, DS Nine in the Pale Moonlight and Waltz. Those are my favorite episodes of. Uh, of Deep Space Nine, and nice. and we 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 also mentioned it, but I want to throw it out there. Ira's Deep Space Nine documentary, it's a must watch for any Deep Space Nine fan. I love yeah. it. I've watched it. I don't know, probably ten times at this point. And just talking about it, I want to watch it right now. Like it's that good. <laughs> it's that good. Um. All right, Curtis, are you ready to roll with with your? Uh... Uh, I I have no idea. I, I would need to prepare for that question. Okay, no, Honestly, no, that, no, that, I, that, I, that, that, um, that. I guess time zero would have to be one of them. If I if I really like had to give an answer, time zero. It's one of the ones that I remember oh, watching nice. when it was airing. Yeah. Um. Because my stepmom watched Star Trek all the time when I was little, so that one for sure. Um, and I guess you know what, maybe um. What's the one where the members of the Enterprise crew are getting abducted and they take Riker and oh, they gave uh, him like a thing to. They had to recreate that yeah. table. Oh. Schisms. Schisms, yes. Yep. Excellent. I guess. And you know, they're not my favorite ones, but if I have to, like, what is a Star Trek episode? Both of those qualify. Yeah. 
Um, one one I would throw out there real quick. If if you got Netflix, because Netflix has the high definition next generation, watch Relics again. That's the one with Scotty. Like like the the Dyson Sphere looks so amazing in high definition. Like why why have they not gone back to that? Like why is that not a Star Trek movie? The Dyson Sphere. Like it's so amazing. Such a cool concept. It's interesting. It's interesting that you would bring up a Dyson Sphere because, uh, sorry, Ragnar. One of the things we learned in Star Trek Online <laughs> is that the species that was abducting members of the Enterprise crew in schisms are called the Solanae, and they built Dyson Spheres. I don't know if they built that one, huh. but they did build them. Interesting. That's kind of cool. That is cool. And that's uh, funny. And you totally get to beat the shit out of them in Star Trek Online. So nice. nice. No, that that's cool. I, I I when when you were talking about schisms, I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just thinking about uh, the Dyson Sphere. Well, no, you wouldn't know unless you played Star Trek Online. But it, it was just funny that you happened to mention the Dyson Sphere right after I talked about schisms. So I had to bring it up. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Uh, Richard, do you do you have any go to Star Trek episodes? There's one in particular, the very first episode I remember watching when I was eight years old, give or take. I lived in a place called Capilano, just outside of Capilano Gold Bar in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember the name, but it's the one where Captain Picard is abducted and he's in a room with other abductees. Uh-huh. One of them, his, the, the guy's name is Essok. He's yep. kind of like that one race that I forget the name of, but he's very aggressive and a conquering species. And then the other guy with like the weird head thing that looks like the Sydney Opera House, and then the bullying female cadet who turned out to be the bad guys. Yep. Excellent that one? Yeah, yep. that one. One of my favorites and the most nostalgic. Like that's the reason why I started watching Star Trek that episode in nineteen ninety three ish. And you know what's crazy? Like it's funny. Like we're we're saying all this stuff, and it and it and it's tying into things. I was thinking about that episode today, and the reason I was thinking yeah. about it is because I like right now, um, I'm drinking a Big Rock traditional ale, and in that nice. ep- in that episode, Picard orders ales for everyone at at ten four, like the fake Picard, and then he sings. Um, Oh, I can't remember the. It, it's like the official. Well, um, blow me down, my lad, or something. British tar. Yeah. Uh, yes. C- come cheer up, my lads. Tis the glory. Uh, yeah. We see you. Ah, yes, that's the one. It, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's like the official song for the British Navy, and I think it's the official song for the Canadian Navy too. Mm. Um, but every time I look at ale, I always think of Picard ordering ales for everyone. You know, <laughs> and and when I bought these ales today, I was thinking about that episode, and then you mentioned it, like, like this is, like, I don't know, we're entering the twilight zone or something, or 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 I'm drunk at this point, I don't know. <laughs> Both things can be true. Yeah, because like yeah, like man. like I'm a couple whiskeys in, and like now I'm on my second ale, so yeah. Um, anyway, um. I think we can call this an episode. This was this was a fun episode, but short. 
Like I feel like I feel like we're we, we're we're short somehow. Um, but but About we, an hour and twenty, aren't we? Yeah, but we also recorded the Christmas segment, so yeah, um, yeah, we're actually doing pretty good. Um, all right, well, uh, let's uh, go around the table and play that little game of where we can find you on the internet, Curtis. I just responded to your friend request. We're friends on Facebook. We're, yeah, it's we're, official. We're not fighting yeah, anymore. Yeah, we're 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 not friends at odds anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I know I can find you on Facebook. Where else can I find you? That's about it. I I, I don't know. I don't hang out on the internet too much anymore. So hey, I totally you can get find it. me there, or you you can find me out camping on some crown land somewhere hidden away in the woods. Nice. You'll never find me. Don't bother looking. <laughs> um. Richard, where can we find you, sir? Uh, right here on this podcast, and uh, look for me in my ivory tower. Perfect. Um, you can find, like, yeah, you can find me here at the Pop Culture Pub Podcast Network. Um, as I mentioned, we recorded a Christmas uh, segment for the 2021 Chris Locker Christmas Special, which will be dropping after December 16th sometime. Um, just prior to Christmas, um, and in that episode, we're talking about what we want brought back, uh, for Christmas. And last but not least, Ragnar, where can we find you, sir? Well, um, RagnarTheTrader.com is my main website. I also have an Etsy store and I'm on Facebook and Instagram, all RagnarTheTrader. So, yeah, just type in Ragnar the Trader and see what comes up. Yep. And it is the Christmas season, so if you want Ragnar, if if if, if you want Ragnar, uh, who doesn't want Ragnar? Um, <laughs> Come and get him, right. ladies. <laughs> but uh, if you're looking for, for some Christmas ideas, Ragnar is your guy. Like, he's got lots of stuff for, for um, all sorts and on all all kinds of budgets like i mean you can get uh you know stuff uh like a necklace a uh, necklace a necklace uh for uh, you know a good price um you get a drinking horn uh for a good price uh it all depends what drinking you're looking horns for are great. Really good, uh, i've got some really good surprise packs going right now excellent um, yeah there's one there's one where you get a mug and a bunch of stuff there's another one where you get a carved horn and a sweet Viking knife and coming either tomorrow or Sunday, there's the much anticipated sword surprise pack where you will get amongst other things, a real life steel sword. There's only going to be be five or 10 of those available. So they're going to go fast. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Can you like, like send me like a text or an email just so I can check those out. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll give Sweet. you a heads up when they're ready to roll. Sweet, thanks. Excellent. And like last year, my my Christmas gift to myself was Ragnar's uh, drinking horn mug, and it's awesome. It it you know you can put a can of beer in it. It's it's cool. You can set it down. Like it doesn't matter how tipsy you are. Like you know you just set it down. You're not gonna spill your beer. Like I just think if I if I got a horn. I would spill it because I'd be I, at some point I'd be so drunk that I'd you know I'd, I'd be causing alcohol abuse. But the drinking. Uh, so I always drink, drink it. Yeah. 
Well, I always break it down this way. An actual drinking horn, a traditional horn, is awesome when you're outside. You're sitting around the campfire, you're at a yeah. music festival, yeah. something like that. They yeah. reign supreme. But, you know, here in Canada, it's winter eight months of the year. Hmm. The mugs are really great. You know, you've got a nice handle, you've got a flat bottom, very easy to use, one-handed operation. Yep, absolutely. Yep, it's fantastic. I love it. Um, and, yeah, I, I highly recommend everything that Ragnar makes. He's, he's great. He's fantastic. Well, um, thanks, guys. Yeah, no problem, man. Um, all right, well, I guess we can call this an episode. So this was our Star Trek Hidden Gems. Oh, I should say... Uh, next episode, is it, are we on, are we, are we moving on to season three of Enterprise? Heck it, yeah. Yeah. We are. Okay. So yeah, we're going into season 3.0 of Star Trek Enterprise. So the first 13 episodes of season three, that'll be our next episode of Trek 1701. So I want to thank you, dear listener, for taking the time to listen to us talk about our Star Trek Hidden Gems. My name's Chris Lockhart. I was joined by Curtis Holloway, Richard Zabo, and Ragnar the Traitor. And, yeah, uh, we will see you again in the not-too-distant future. Guess who just got back today? The wild-eyed boys that had been away Haven't changed, had much to say But man, I still think them cats are crazy they were asking if you were around How you was, where you could be found I Told them you were living downtown Driving all the old men crazy Shaking what she'd got Man, when I tell you she was cool, she was red hot I mean she was steaming